Hello, welcome to another edition of the Hoop Scoop Podcast. My name is Nate with my pod pal, Phil. Hello and welcome. It's March 15th and the NBA is rolling on. Kind of weird, Phil, because I feel like usually in a regular season, this is the time where the regular season's winding down and we're kind of just focused on the playoffs. But with this adjusted schedule, we're kind of just in the thick of things. You know, it's it's almost like this, this would be... January or February of a regular season, but yeah, if anything, it's go time now because teams got to pick up the slack if they were waning a little bit in the first half. Yeah, I think over the next month, we're really going to see where teams end up lying. But I got a couple teams to discuss, we got some players, things to talk about, and I'm ready to go. Be good, of course. All right, so two West teams I want to start out with today, two teams that I think most people are expecting to be there at least at the end of the playoffs, if not the end of the finals. Some people might have these teams there. But nonetheless, I want to discuss the Jazz and the Clippers, two teams that I watched yesterday, two teams that had pretty bad losses. Jazz falling to the Warriors by 12 points, couldn't stop anybody, gave 131 points. Wiggins went for 28, Draymond triple-double. And the Clippers getting actually bludgeoned by the Pelicans by 20. And Serge Ibaka missed most of the second half, so that's definitely noteworthy. But nonetheless, this team probably should have competed better than they did yesterday. Defense came and went. Offense came and went. It was just a bad performance overall. So I'll take your pick. Uh, I'll let you take your pick, Phil. You can start with either team. But is this – do you think we are kind of just at the point where – and this, this more so goes with the Clippers because the Jazz are up, up and coming, have been on the scene more so recently than before. Right. But, you know, are, are these teams that we should be taking seriously going into the playoffs? Or do you think the book is kind of out on, especially the Clippers? Jazz, we can have a little more of a nuanced discussion about. But, like, what's the, what's the verdict? I don't know. Because it seems like sometimes we get world-beating performances out of them. Sometimes it's inconsistent. Most of the time it's inconsistent, especially with the Clippers again. <laughs> but I'm just not sure what to make of them. So I'm throwing, I'm throwing it all at you. You can take what you want with it. Yeah. I want some answers. I actually think what you were saying before is flipped, where it's kind of more the Clippers might be more relevant when it comes to playoff time and the Jazz might teeter off. Like I think the Jazz are kind of playing as close to the Spurs ball from like 2015, 2016 as we'll see for a while. But, like, it seems like one of those regular season runs because it's a young team and they want to set the precedent. But by the time they're in the play, their key guys are going to either be gassed or over their heads or people are going to have a game plan for them because they know as soon as they get to that second unit, you just have to guard Jordan Clarkson and you're essentially golden, you know? Yeah, I – you you call them a young team, and they are in some aspects. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell. The important pieces are star. young. Gobert is like 27, right? 27, 28. Yeah, something like that. But I I still think that if this if it doesn't happen this year, there's gonna have there's gonna be a lot of questions about if this isn't the year, then then what is the year? So I, I don't want to make it too much of a playoff conversation because we'll have plenty of playoff talk when it's playoff time. But I'm just curious. Do you? Do you think this is a team that is going to like? Is this more so just a blip, or do you think they're going to get back on track? Because last night I watched they play Golden State and Utah. It's it's interesting with them because I feel like the perception of them have changed over the years. They used to be a hard nosed defensive team. the The offense was very Donovan Mitchell heavy. A lot of ISO ball, pick and roll. I go back to his rookie season when they beat the Thunder in the first round. But right now, it's a spread offense, shooting a billion three-pointers. I come away from them a lot of the time a little underwhelmed on defense. I think that Gobert, obviously, is the linchpin for everything. But other than that, I don't think they have a ton of great individual defenders on the floor. Like, last night, it just seemed way too easy for Golden State to get the shots that they wanted. That's not even a great offensive team. I mean, their bench was putting up numbers. So like, is, is that sustainable? I, I just, I'm just not sure if people, because the record looks great still, and they're still the first in the West, the first in the NBA right now, but I don't know if people are actually watching them or just 
kind of like the idea of them. I think they have to play better defense if they're actually going to be legitimate because they're not doing that right now. Yeah, no, defense is definitely a key part of it. I think uh, Quinn Snyder's offensive change over the offseason really kind of just the pieces I think he wanted and the way he wanted to play, it all kind of came together at the same time. And it form, formed into this, what we see now. I guess teams might be able to have that kind of, like they know what to expect now. And if they can kind of key in on these specific things, like they know Jordan Clarkson's going to be putting up a lot of shots when it's just him in the second unit. They know Donovan Mitchell's kind of your primary creator where Mike Conley's actually more of like a spot-up shooter. Knowing these things, kind of getting used to it, seeing them play for half of the season, I guess you could say, you do kind of pick up on the things. And I think the Warriors game is kind of a outlier because the Warriors can just go off randomly. Like Steph Curry's good for a crazy game once a week. And if you get Wiggins and Kelly Oubre hot at the same time, like that's, it's a legitimate team. The thing is that only happens every once in a while. So I wouldn't blow the Golden State Warrior Utah Jazz game out of the water. I don't know if you're if you're a little bit held back on the Warriors and that the that the Jazz are actually able to lose to them like this is a big thing to you, but I don't know. It, it's not just this game. I mean, in general, they're sliding a little bit uh, over their last. You know, they've they've lost four of their last six games. So, well, right, but you're you're always supposed great. to come down to you're going to come down back to earth at some point. You're not going to keep riding like. 12 or what 10 game win streak throughout the rest of the season I understand but I, I think people are kind of like overblowing what their record was I mean they had a good they had a really good record but it's not like they were on pace to win you know 75 games like they were on pace for a 50 59 I think 61 season so that, I mean I don't know where are, are they that type of team or not I'm, I'm not sure because if if they're a team that's on pace for a 54 to 56 game season and I mean I think people think a lot less of that. That's uh, that's more so in line with what they've been the last few years. So are they this super impressive team or are they more of what we've gotten the last two years? I, I think they are different, definitely. But again, defensively, it comes and goes. Offensively, Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson have been great. Other than that, it's been a lot of inconsistency. Boyan Bogdanovich has had a pretty off season and that's something that could come back to bite them because they need him to make shots and be productive. So, I don't know. Even their game against Houston, they, they didn't blow the doors off of the Rockets who are getting killed by absolutely everybody. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm Personally, me, I'm, I was never huge on the Jazz. I don't think you were either. But I'm definitely keeping an eye on them going forward. They got Boston uh, tomorrow, so that will be a game to monitor. Boston playing a little bit better recently. They killed Houston last night like they were supposed They're to. They're doing their job. I mean, yeah, so – if they lose that game, I don't know. Like, what do you think? Now, now you're now you're losing many games. Now you're losing several games. Now you're losing. You've had two two game losing streaks in the last five. Now I know like you're not going to sustain that, but I care more about the Jazz having losing streaks than I care about the Lakers having losing streaks. You, you just you don't get the benefit of the doubt when you're the upstart team and not the established team. Yeah, no, totally. I'm trying to look up right now the ease of schedule is for the Jazz because did we not pick up that maybe they were like easier side but regardless um yeah i mean the jazz i i just said it before but they're realistically gonna have to come back down to earth at some point i think they're probably in the the group that they've been in the past few years where they win like 54 to 56 games like you were saying and then having this big cushion of like what was it like what was their high of like a win streak it was like 10 12 either way this season yeah uh yeah it might have been even longer um i i think um. Oh, they they had one loss like sandwiched in the middle, oh, okay. but it was it. Yeah, it was like a ten game win streak and and a loss and then like a nine game winning streak. So like you know. Yeah. So nineteen out of, nineteen out right, of twenty. That's what it was. But anyway, it was like it was a crazy number and it really inflated their wins. I think going down the stretch, they're gonna feel more comfortable being able to, I don't know, probably rest people when it's time to actually get into playoff mode. They're gonna have that cushion. Hopefully it keeps up and then they're able to do that, but who knows if that'll be the case. All right, I'm looking up the thing right now and the Jazz had, I think top 10 hardest uh, schedule in the first half of the season. Yeah, they were sixth and then it's gotta be- I mean, they had good It's gotta be easy, yeah, they they have- Pretty they easy. beat the Clippers. They beat the Bucks. They have like the second easiest so, after the Celtics for the rest of the season. So it'll be interesting. 
It will be. I, I'd like the Jazz to be legit, um, but I don't know if I can trust it. Yeah, just team definitely a team the of bones on that house. I don't know. They might be shaky. We'll see. Yeah, and I I just think that like you called the called them a young team. Um, they're interesting because if this isn't the year, what is the year? Yeah, you're right. And that's that's how I view it. And so it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure on them this right. year. But yeah, I made the mistake of doing that. We'll Bogdan Bogdanovich is probably 29-30. Joe Ingles is 32. And Mike Conley. Boyan. Whatever. They know. <laughs> they know when they're being referenced. All right. Shall we move on to your clips? Yeah, let's talk Clippers. Clippers, near and dear to my heart. But I'm, they're so frustrating, Phil. I, every time I tune into a Clipper game, I'm like, maybe this will be the start of an eight-game winning streak, you know? Maybe this will be the start of whatever, 10 out of 11 or something like that. But it, it just seems like they managed to just sandwich in random bad losses, like, all over their schedule. And this happened last year, too. So, so last night, I tune in, and from the get-go, it's it's just it's just not yeah. a great effort. Um, the, the thing that I'm most – upset with the Clippers about and I, I say upset like I'm not a Clipper fan but I would like that I'd like to see them reach their potential I just felt even going back to last season I have yet to see this team be the defensive juggernaut that they were branded as I'm I just don't see it almost ever they are the kings of okay we have a matchup we like there the other team is going to set this soft terrible screen that is doing absolutely nothing besides getting a switch, and we're just going to switch it anyway. It, it's it's just stuff like that, and they did that all the time last year in the playoffs. That's why Luca was just shredding them. Just yeah, I don't know. It just boggles my mind. I don't see the things that you would think you'd see, which is a switchable length, lengthy team that gets out on the break all the time. They they don't really get a ton of transition points. They don't move the ball particularly well. And I don't want to overact just to one game, but I think it's time that we start kind of holding the Clippers accountable because, as I said, you're not the Lakers. You did not win the championship. You get no benefit of the doubt. So when you get blown out against the Pelicans, I tend to react. And I'm, I'm going to react because I thought it was a bad effort. I didn't think they looked good on either end. And it's just hard to be confident in this team when they're so up and down. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you were saying before, where there was like, should we be more worried with the Clippers when they get to playoffs or the Jazz? I'd still say the Jazz. Clippers are a little bit more seasoned. I think realistically they've just been using this season as a trial run, kind of like what they did last year, and we know how it worked out. It's it's not really, you know, like no one's really fully into it. Like you can't get guys to lock in on every night. And so we see how that yeah. kind of carries over to the playoffs and it does screw you because like there were just times in – when they were playing the Nuggets and it was like the fourth quarter, people were just trying to turn it on and they were, you know, <laughs> Paul George was zonked out. And I think yeah, that has to do, I, I get it. I, I think that just it, has but... to do with uh, the coaching situation because Doc Rivers and Ty Lue are kind of one in the same. I'd prefer Doc Rivers if I were any organization, but it doesn't seem like Ty Lue is able to like lock people in and get people to, you know, move towards one goal together. It's kind of just like everybody's hanging out and he's just supervising. Yeah, I'm not seeing a whole lot of different in terms of the scheme and just the way they play. It's still a lot of iso ball. Right. Defensively, it's eh. I mean, Serge Ibaka, what, what last night actually showed me was Serge Ibaka is the third most important player in this team and I don't think it's close. When when they came out, when, uh, when Serge came out of the game, he only played eight minutes, they had no clue what to do with the five spot um i'm not really loving avita zubats this year i don't know like i i liked him at first when the when the lakers traded him i was like oh they got him for nothing but eh, i don't know i don't think he's great honestly um he, he's good for a very certain if you want to i think he's a good decent bit like a physical big with physical yeah yeah he's fine he's, he's fine if you're gonna match him like with another physical big but in a lot of in a lot of high with a lot of high level teams who have dynamic people that they put at the four or the five, he's just going to struggle defensively and offensively. He really he was finishing terribly last night. So in an ideal world, he's just probably 
14 minutes a night bullying Jokic or AD off the bench, just using his muscle to push him around and, and you know, not score, just be a little bruiser. Yeah, I, I'd like to see the the Marcus Morris at center lineup a little bit more. I, I know they're they're leading into it a tad. I'm trying to find the numbers for that lineup. Um, I know they haven't used it very frequently, but you'd think that that would that could be something that they could go to down in in the playoffs. You know, because like theoretically, that's what this team should be. It should it should be switchable. It should be athletic. They they should be able to spread the court five along the perimeter and Ibaka kind of does that because he's a spread five but defensively but defensively even though Serge is great um in the post and rim protecting you don't want to you don't really want him prancing on the outside and last night they had the Pelicans were saying lineups out there with Zion at the five even though he's playing kind of point guard on offense yeah I kind of like that they, they've unlocked it yeah it was good. good at it and they just it didn't good. use him like that last year yeah yeah that that's that's nice to see but yeah, I don't know. Clippers, the line of flexibility is not really what I'd like it to be. It's a lot of Nick Batum out there. Yeah. They're kind of tinkering with stuff. Like, Trey Mann's getting run now. I'm, I'm just not sure. I feel like they only have, like, a lineup that can do full switchability. So, if that's what they want to run with, they can only do it with five guys, and all of them got to be ready to go. Because when you got Lou Will, who's tiny, you got Ivica Zubac, who's giant, can't do anything. It's kind of like you only run with Batum, Ibaka, uh, George, Kawhi, and I don't know, Morris. Yeah, Morris. And then you pretty much do any – that's the only five you can really do full switchability with. Luke Kennard's not really, you know – he's not useful in the defensive end, but he can space the floor. That's about it. Patrick Patterson is a shell. Yeah, you know, and, and they're still doing fine for the most part with their starting lineup, which is good. They're, they're, they play their starters a lot. It's kind of Knicks-esque almost with the the way they stagger them, but I mean they're they're good. There's net rating of sixteen point seven, which is great, but the line of flexibility is not really what I thought. And this is a team that used to be their calling card was their depth, but we kind of learned last year that their depth didn't really fit with yeah. each other. It kind of it was it was kind of like a lot of individual pieces that didn't really work. And even though I think they have more complementary guys this year, uh, they're they're relying on players that I, I don't trust. It's a lot of Nick Batum, as I said. Zubats is still a big question mark. The the Luke Kennard thing is a developing as they thought it would. So I don't know. Clippers is a slight stock down for me. It's yeah, they really uh, they really righted the ship with, or sold the ship for Luke Kennard. And now it's anyway. You got any more Clippers? Clippers uh, concerns? I'm down okay. with the Clippers. I'll well, let's Clippers. pivot to the Knicks that you were just talking about, and I want to talk a little RJ Barrett because I know we've both been watching the games, and we've seen how RJ is progressively improved throughout the, the year. It seems like he just had one lull in the like first three to 10 games. And then people were like, Oh, he just like, he's, he's looking terrible. He's looking the same as last year. And then he's just been, his first three games were really good or his first four. And then basically everywhere after that 15 game mark, he's been pretty much the same numbers where it's like consistently dominant and it's impressive to see. Yeah, RJ has been a revelation for the Knicks. Uh, I kind of put benchmark numbers that I want to see from him this season, and he's surpassing all of them. And you know, like the, I don't care as much about the the volume numbers. It's it's just good to see that he's efficient. And the biggest thing for me, Phil, is just the giant comfort level that I think is just so glaringly different this year than last year. And this kind of parlays, I think, into a conversation about rookies in general and and different rookies or young players that I think could be harmed or hurt based on their experience in the first year, like RJ last year, right? Not, a, not a good situation, not really an environment that would help him develop, not an environment that showed his skills in a highlighted way. You know, it was a, it was just a mess, like bad coaching, bad complimentary pieces, selfish basketball. It was terrible. But that silver lining, I do think, with RJ's experience and, like, navigating that hard situation, right? So even though the numbers weren't great, he kind of man- man- navigated the floor, as much played as a could. lot, and felt yeah, – and fe- yeah, and this year it just seems like the comfort level when he's on the court is so much better. He's so much more decisive with the ball. Obviously, the shooting is just 
Like he's making shots. So that's great. But another thing is just like the shot, the shot selection, right? He's finding his spots. He's knowing his comfort levels is his, his uh, spots on the floor. Like he loves shooting the three out of the corner. He loves shooting the three from uh, kind of like between the top of the arc and mm. the, and the wing. And then he likes getting to his pull-up as well. So just kind of finding your niche right now, that's what he's doing. And he's doing it extremely well. He's finishing defensively. He's turned into a, a nice defensive player. He's guarding bigger guys. I don't think he's ever going to be a player that's going to defend point guards because he's not quick like that. But I think he's a guy that can switch two through four, post up with other guys while also being a pretty heady off-ball defender. So, yeah, RJ is great. I mean, right now, if you're a Knicks fan, he's, it's all you can ask. He's playing efficiently. He's playing hard. It seems like he's playing off his teammates well. And there's really nothing bad to say about it at this point. The, most of all is he, he went through the adversity and the resilience is there. I mean, he went through a stretch where I think he missed 21 straight threes. Yeah. And that is – that's tough to come back from. I mean, anybody who played basketball at any level would know that that's a confidence shot. So to be able to come back from them, regroup, find where he would be most valuable on the basketball court and play like he is right now. I mean, coming off of a career high 32 points where he pretty much did whatever he wanted, got to them whenever he wanted, found the open spots, hit shots. There's really nothing you could say. It's, it's been an A plus. Yeah, no, it's been something to watch and it's very happy on both of our accounts to, you know, just see that going. I think last year, the biggest jump was just what you were saying, his perception of the game or his confidence. Cause we saw him last year, and it would be consistent post-ups or just straight line drives to the rim from the three-point arc, or he would just take like a poor shot. And we're seeing now this yeah. year, he's taking the same amount of threes. He's hitting it at uh, 36%, roughly, 35-9. But it's just the way he's playing and the confidence he shows. Like, he's taking shots. He doesn't need to be wide open on the corners anymore. He's Like, he can take a guy in his face. He'll, he'll move to the side or do, pull a move on him. And it's just that kind of – I think a lot of it is attributed to Johnny Bryant, the assistant coach or the head assistant coach for the Knicks. He was in Utah, and he was doing a lot of shooting work with the Jazz guys, and he helped them improve a lot over their time there. And it was like Donovan Mitchell. I think he worked with Jordan Clarkson too. It was he, – he did a really good job, and I think he's kind of a sneaky appreciation post that should be shouted out. Yeah, for the, uh, the Knicks coaching staff has been great. It, se- it seems like, and again, like this just goes to things that aren't quantifiable, but it just makes for such a healthier environment, especially for young players. I mean, comparing last year and this year, comparing the way that the coach interacts with the players, comparing how the players interact with each other, yeah. it's just night and day. And I think it's so it's so beneficial for young guys to get that because, uh, yeah, you, like you, you talked about how last year was the same stuff, straight line drives or trying to post up. I think a big part of it also was, like, if you don't know what's happening on an offensive possession, like, you don't know where the ball's going, you don't know if you give it up or if you're going to get it point. back or not, uh, it, it, it's, not, it's not a good way to play. I, one of my favorite plays, actually, in, his, uh, in the game on Saturday – was he had a baseline, he had a drive, I think he had a mismatch, maybe Al Horford on him, and he, he drove him baseline. And an RJ from last year probably tries to put his shoulder into Al Horford's chest and just muscle up a shot that either gets blocked or just goes off the backboard. But instead, he drives, and then he sees the corner guy sloughing off a little bit because every time you dribble drive, the eyes are going to be on you. And he throws a nice bounce pass to the corner for Julius Randle for a, an open three that he knocks down. And that's just not a play I think he's making last last year. And Thibodeau highlighted it. So just the fact that the coaches are seeing what he's doing and he's reacting and playing the right way, it just opens everything up. And the trickle-down effect from the coaches to the players. And it's a microcosm, I think, of how the Knicks season has been, where it's unselfish, it's doing what you're comfortable with, and it's helping other players because – it wasn't happening last year. I mean, how many times were we seeing nice kickouts and guys being excited? There's another play where on the fast break, he uh, drove, draw, draws two, and kicks out to quickly on the wing who drills a three, and they're both celebrating together. Right. That just wasn't happening last year. Just that, that, energy, that energy wasn't happening. So just the fact that he's feeding off of that and playing well and producing, it's got to feel good for him, and it's got to feel great. Yeah, for him. I think RJ's another piece of RJ's game that really kind of came along was his dribble creation. 
like we weren't seeing that last year or it was just like a very scary turnover we're like wow like he doesn't look like he should be handling the ball at this level but over the over the season last year and now we're yeah. still seeing you know troubles but he's he's getting better consistently he's kind of doing that Westbrook like he'll get up in the air and he'll just like force feed Nerlens Noel the ball granted that might just be because it's Nerlens Noel and he needs he needs that right in the bread basket but we're definitely seeing like different pieces of other players games like I was telling you we were both noticing how he, once he gets to the like right inside the paint he starts that Giannis like dribble hezzy and then he does that long step to get where he wants to go and it's just like those little nuances he's picking up and it's I mean if people, if everyone could do that, then everyone would be this good or be able to contribute at this level. So it's good to see this stuff from RJ. Long story short. Yeah, it's it's about finding what you're good at. And I actually want to parlay this kind of into a different conversation because I, I it's so valuable. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about Denny, right? And how I, I, think, I think Denny's in like the most difficult position you could be in as a rookie player. Just because he's not really getting the opportunity to navigate the situation like RJ is. And that's why I was so – and I don't want to make this an anti-Westbrook conversation, but that's why I was so against the Knicks bring on Russell Westbrook because it just right. takes it's, the ball out of those, like, out. those guys' hands. It just – yeah, like that comfort that we're seeing RJ get, that we're seeing quickly get, even Randall, hell. Like I, don't, I know Randall's been in the league for seven years, but I mean he's seeing looks and right. doing stuff that Except he's never the, done before. So if you, if lest you, we forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, right, a little right. bit, but now he's actually doing it officially and it's contributing to winning. So it's just like when you when you bring a guy on and listen, like obviously some guys it's just worth it. I mean, when the, the Lakers brought in LeBron James, yeah, they're taking the ball out of Alonzo Ball and Brent Ingram's hands, but it's LeBron James, so deal with it. But to you know, bringing in a guy like Russell Westbrook. And again, I don't want to just make it about Russell Westbrook. There's other examples of players like this. I mean, honestly, like I think, like say Houston, honestly, drafts a guard in this upcoming draft. You still got John Wall there. That's not going to be easy. <laughs> That's going to be something to figure out. So players that are not contributing to winning directly, like that aren't getting you big time wins and are taking the ball out of your young player's hands, I'm just not a fan of bringing those guys on. It's like I feel for a guy like Denny, who came into the draft as this Swiss Army knife type of player who was kind of like a hybrid. He could play a little point guard. He could play a little off guard. And right now, I watch the Wizards. He's a freaking spot-up shooter. Like, I don't I don't speak, see him do anything. So it's just difficult. And it's that's why I'm so happy that the Knicks are in a position. And the Knicks, I think their front office also recognizes this and realizes that, okay, if we're not getting the guy that's helping us win big time, and get us like to the playoffs and beyond, then we're just going to ride with our core right now and see what they can do and see what they can navigate. So that's been the biggest, just that, that's made me happy as a fan is seeing that our front office and our coaching staff recognizes that and is giving our players like RJ Randall quickly, the platform to work on their game and do it. That's going to help them next year because this year is going to help next year and it's going to keep on rolling over. Uh, you you can't replicate game time reps in practice, so stuff like that is invaluable. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Denny, we we've we've said our things. He's been a surprisingly good spot up shooter when he has been forced to do it. I, I you're definitely right that Westbrook kind of you know it's not him fully, but he does. When you put Westbrook on a team, he's taking up probably I don't know I don't know what the correct number would be like twenty to thirty percent more of the ball creation skill or like creation needs for a team and when you have a guy that literally comes in yeah. with this specific skill set where he's kind of like a do-it-all and he can take the ball up and he can create for you or create for others it, it just didn't make a lot of sense but yeah i mean i don't know mm-hmm. maybe for them it was just like we got it like he was the best player I mean, I'm lo- before. long story i'm looking at his 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 stats right now all right and just a couple numbers that just if i'm wizards fan i hate to see a, he's taking more threes than twos. Probably shouldn't happen. He's not a spot-up shooter. B, he's taking 0.6 free throws per not game. Not shooting him well, either. That is bad. Uh, he's not. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> but he's only taking 19 on the whole season. That's horrible. And then C, the dude's usage rate is 12, which is half of what RJ's is last year. I mean, so – and maybe RJ was a better player than last year. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. RJ wasn't that good last year, but we're not even seeing Denny. Play. We're not seeing him in the atmosphere that you would like to see as a young guy. And it, it makes it so hard to evaluate your players when you don't give them the ball. 
especially if they're a player like Denny or a player like RJ. Imagine if RJ was Just sentenced to the bench for the, for Frank and Julius. Imagine if rookie RJ was on the Wizards, Phil. Imagine rookie RJ was on this year's. I don't Wizards. think he'd see the light of day. I would. They'd probably force really him into a three or four spot. Like they make him play four small ball. That'd I mean, be how terrible. Bad would that look? They'd probably force him into like a PJ Tucker role <laughs> as a twenty or nineteen year old kid. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's just like. I just wish these front offices would realize, like, you're not doing your players any favors. Yeah, but I think they're in a tough situation. The Wizards, they were – I don't know what the – I can't say what the Wizards are thinking, but they're somewhere in between, like, we want to kind of build this up right, and Bradley Beal's here, so we got to do right by him. And you can't be have your foot in both spots. And doing so puts you in this, the situation you're in now. They realistically, they should. I don't even care if he doesn't want to be traded. They should Westbrook trade. Westbrook Beal. Beal. I think he. <laughs> I don't think it's any shock that he does want to go. He he doesn't he doesn't want to be traded. Uh, He's vocal about I mean, that. You know you know people say one thing and it's. Like, oh. I think if he wanted to be traded, he'd be traded already. I think he doesn't want to be traded, and the Wizards are just holding on for dear life. I don't know. And I think that, I think that's what's happening at this point. Because I think if he wanted to be traded, he would. It would have already happened. Because you could. I mean, yeah, that's my I opinion. Yes, but I don't know. I think it's one of those things where, like, you start like the writings on the walls, where he's like, "No, I don't want to be traded." But if they keep doing what they're doing, he's eventually gonna be like, he, "Like, yeah, I want to go." But like, we haven't been able to do anything. Nothing's happening. Like, just yeah. like I need to leave today. Like, he's not at that point yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, Kristaps at some point said, like, out loud, he's yeah, like, I want to be traded. These are my specific spots. And before that, there was a whole lot of problems yeah, and in I, between where it's like, okay, is he going to get shipped somewhere? I think we're kind of in that, I don't know, gray area. Yeah. I think yeah. the Wizards should just trade him, is what I'm saying. <laughs> because I think it would be, even if he doesn't want to be traded, he, it would be the best yeah. thing. Well, what can you do? Speaking of Wizards, we could talk a little trade deadline. Do you think they're gonna? Do you think they're gonna dabble? Do you think Go they're gonna it. take a take a dip in the well? <laughs> oh god, are they they're be definitely buyers? not gonna be sellers. What they're are they? Ridiculous trades. What was their Trevor Ariza trade? trade? Didn't they? Uh, they gave like a first round pick for him. I don't know. Well, tell me what you think. Crazy. Who do you think is the most interesting trade deadline guy? And I'll <laughs> I'll do some recon on the Trevor Ariza trade. Okay, I mean, I typed it in, and the first thing was revisiting the terrible. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, okay, they gave up Kelly. They gave up Kelly Oubre. They gave up Kelly. Oubre. They also gave up Austin Rivers. I don't know how they ever got Austin Rivers, but they had him. Yeah. Um. Okay, but the trade trade deadline guy. I'm sticking with the name that I talked about before, who isn't necessarily sexy, but I think Aaron Gordon is a guy that I would love to see on a lot of teams. Oh, actually, Aaron Gordon and Kyle Lowry. Because Kyle Lowry, I think, will be the biggest name to be traded. I think that Kyle think, Lowry will be. Do you traded. think Philadelphia is in is more of a bind now because they think like we got to get this Lowry deal done? Because first of all, one, the Clippers want him, as well as a bunch of other teams, but the Clippers are kind of the headline. And two, we want some guy here that can help produce with Simmons while Embiid's out. Or do you think they're kind of pulling back now? I don't think they care about the second thing. Uh, the the MB being out. I mean, that just is what it is. Like you can't. Well, I just mean like, do you think that. they want to move the timeline up because like, they're like, we could realistically go on a down streak, uh, a losing streak, and just kind of struggle for a while. If we have Lowry there, we at least have a better chance of winning most of our games until MB comes back. Okay. I don't think they're that concerned about that. Honestly, I, I think that I think they'll be fine. I mean, they destroyed the Spurs yesterday, won by thirty five. Uh, and I'm just looking at their schedule, like. I mean, they have plenty of games they should be able to win. I mean, they play the Knicks twice. They play the Kings. The Warriors, I think they could still beat. They play the Cavs coming up, Timberwolves, Grizzlies. So, uh, you know, like, they, yeah, they'll probably lose a few, but I don't think that they're, like, scared that they're going to slip too much with them being out. Right. They slip a spot or two, they slip a spot or two. But they, oh. I don't think they're going to be reactionary because of that. Uh, the, the first thing you said is interesting. I don't know what – like. I don't think the Clippers are going to be involved because I don't think they have the ammunition at all. A team that I am interested in for the Lowry sweepstakes is Denver. I think that Denver has some stuff to give. 
And if a big name isn't available, which I don't think it's going to be available, I think that Denver was prior in the season thinking guys like Levine or Beal might be available. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Lowry's not Levine or Beal, but he's a big-time player who I think would complement that team. Yeah, I think or I ask, throw some what's, stuff what's your Lowry package? Because obviously Lowry table. isn't that top-tier star, and I what does he have, like a year or two left, and he's aging 34. But I, I don't know. I think the Clippers, whether they don't have a lot to give, they're still going to try because they know they're on the clock. Realistically, they could be – a star devout team by or actually no Paul George is stuck there, but Kawhi could be gone by this off season. So they're going to try to do something, but I just want to get back to your Denver Nuggets trade. Who's going, who is this lower level star deal that gets Kyle Lowry in Denver? I'm going to try to whip something up right now, but I'm, I'm going to throw well, some I want stuff like, is Michael Porter Jr. You. The head um, piece? Okay, all right, all right. No, 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 What is it, Facundo Campazzo? It's more like it's – Okay, yeah, RJ Hampton, Hampton, Gary Harris. You need money. Money has to match. I remember we Uh, had this conversation. I mean, yeah, money money has to match. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Gary Harris probably going out. Um, Yeah, because he's 14 years old. Gary Harris out. How much is Michael Michael Green out? Because – Wow. How much does he have? A year left? So, Paul Mouse – yeah, yeah, he's so bad. Poor guy. He's, well, I mean, he's been given the um, Jeremy Grant role after being like a 34-year-old guy and just being a spot-up shooter last year when Jeremy Grant was taking the Jeremy Grant role. It's kind of tough to upgrade. All right, the trade, it's been confirmed. The trade has just been put in, and Adam Silver has approved it. Paul Millsap. No, all right, so this is the trade I just put in, and it works. Paul Millsap, Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, the 2021 All right, I mean – the Raptors would be probably crazy not to take that deal as a in competition with everything else, unless the Sixers include Maxi and Thibault in a pick. I don't really see any other competition. But do the Nuggets want to do that? I, I, I don't I'm, I'm kind of in both the camps where like I agree with you where they but... should push right now, but realistically, all their guys are crazy young. You can develop what you have and see what you have in RJ Hampton. I mean, Facundo could be a really good rotation piece. Gary Harris could come around. He's a good defensive player, but he could get a shot going again. And then you have like a really crazy good bench that is all in these rookie scale deals. And you can do this for two or three more years before you really got to start paying people. You could get two or three cracks at it as opposed to one year of Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I get it. I just, I think the whole thing where I, I always think that NBA teams get into trouble when they start yeah. just relying on their youth because it's just not, no this guarantees. is not the way it works. Like you, you, you got to strike all the, you, yeah, you got to strike all the irons hot. And uh, I'm not saying Kyle Lowry makes this team an NBA title contender, but I think that maybe Kyle Lowry makes them a bad breakaway from the NBA title contender. So a little AD extended absence. That's kind of what, yeah, who knows? Who knows? And I, it's not like they're mortgaging their future. Like, Okay, yeah, they give RJ Hampton up. Like, Just wait till RJ Hampton. Pops. I mean, RJ's gonna pop like other RJ. I know, but with Jamal Murray, with Jamal Murray there, it just it kind of makes it tough for him to like carve out a niche because yeah. Jamal Murray's the guy. Um, and then the first round pick is the first round pick. Like, yeah, okay, cool. So, to me, I think it's worth it. Like, you already have just a great th- trio of guys moving forward. So. Like, you can't get greedy with this stuff. I mean, you drafted great. You got Jamal Murray, who's also the Knicks fringe pick, all-star. Unless we forget. Nicole Jokic. Absolutely. Nicole Jokic, who's a superstar. And Michael Porter Jr., who the sky's the limit, but the talent is crazy. So, like, how, I don't know. How many more per- picks do you need to accumulate? Like, right, right now, you got to start putting a really good team together. That's what I'm doing with Denver Nuggets. Like, you just made the Western Conference Finals. Don't settle. Go for it. Try yeah, to make I, the I can't argue possible. with you. I, I just had both like my mind split where it's like I can see this one way, I can see it the other, but I think you're right overall. Like having that guaranteed youth does not really guarantee you anything. You're just having young fellows. And Nikola Jokic's contract is coming up soon. Yeah. They're gonna have to max out. They just maxed out Jamal Murray. So yeah. the contracts are gonna start to add up. Michael Porter Jr.'s, I'm sure he's on the dole. They I mean, they didn't really pass up Jeremy Grant, but he didn't even want to be there anymore because he wanted to be somewhere where he can shine. 
And it just shows the pecking order of how the Nuggets have it going. Guys might not want to be there anymore because they're not going to get the uh, shine, attention, whatever you want to call it, that you will somewhere else. Granted, Detroit, you could show up and you get shine. Can we parlay yeah, that I into a Jeremy, Jeremy Grant conversation? What's good? What's up? Trade candidate? I've sent a lot, and I've seen a lot of just ties. And before I say it, what do you think of that? Like, Jeremy Grant to the Celtics, realistically, it's probably what? Like, Marcus Smart. Uh, oh, I'm booting something up right okay. now. All right. All right, then I'll riff for a second. Um, but I don't know. Jeremy Grant seems kind of – it seems tough to do. He's on a big contract, and it's three more years of it at least big by the Celtic standards where they're kind of locked into Tatum and Brown. It just doesn't seem like it works for them. I could see Grant going somewhere else and still being productive, but I don't know. You got any thoughts? Are you still, all right. You still mocking? Do, do they say, do, do they say yes to this? Do they okay. say yes to this, to this trade? Kind of similar to the Nuggets trade actually in a way, but Aaron Neesmith, a first round pick in 2021 and Marcus Smart. I don't know. That seems. Do the Celtics? Do the Celtics? Do I that? don't. I don't know if the Celtics do that. Neesmiths come on, and they they like him. Obviously, they're struggling after they decided to part way or never even acknowledge Desmond Bain as a great player, and they traded him. They traded the pick to the Memphis Grizzlies, which baffled me. But I don't know. I wish they. I wish he was there. It would have made a lot of sense. But I. It seems like they like Neesmith. Their random takes of like lotto picks that they have and they swing on random guys that have high upside have really kind of only panned out in Naismith being a good rotation piece. Romeo Langford's still just fooling. And I can't think of the other guy's name. Carson Edwards, he's he's just there. He's not a lottery guy, but would throwing a DeLon Wright make anything better? <laughs> DeLon Wright would not sweeten it for me. Also, I don't know who the Pistons would run at, at point then, like Marcus Smart. It doesn't matter. Does Dennis Smith get another triple double this season? No, I want to. It just I doesn't know. matter. I they need to lose know. every game. Ever. Does Dennis Smith get another? No. Is Killian know. coming back? There's, there is no like if oh, they rushed gosh. him back or just put him back out there. There goes my rookie. There, there goes, goes my rookie of the year. Alive but not well. Oh yes, Wiseman. I thought this is the Warriors were gonna be. They were gonna be darling. Oh but yeah, that's no. shot. The Curry Wiseman pick and roll is formidable, though. Yeah. As is the Draymond Green Wiseman role. There's something there with Wiseman. It's just we got. We, I think we got a little too excited to begin. We definitely got a little excited because we kind of just saw the stats and the, the highlights. But overall, he's. I thought the Warriors. That's okay though. Real quick, I, I, I thought honestly, the Warriors were just going to be better. Just letting him yeah. be, you know, like just a bouncy big, and then I think the pool would be as deep as it yeah. was. So. Props to Edwards and LaMelo Ball, but yeah. I think Wiseman will be improving a lot as he goes forward. We're seeing a lot from him, but I thought this year he'd, just be, and he'd be good at it with the Warriors. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. So let's we let's finish one. off with the trade stuff for just a second. So Jeremy, Jeremy Grant, I, th- I think it's, it's an interesting name. I don't think the Pistons would be – I think they would be smart to kind of shop around – and Aaron Gordon didn't cook up a trade, but there's plenty of teams I would like to see him with. Denver. It's, it's kind of the same teams that should be buyers. I'm looking at Denver. I'm looking at Boston. And, I mean, the Clippers would like to, but, again, like it makes sense. limited stuff to work you think with. It just, uh, any, any people on this? Between what you're talking about. There's a lot of teams that want John Collins and Gordon. Do you think teams are not – are, like, considering Jeremy Grant as, like, that four-spot fit, like – who is it? The Timberwolves, the Trailblazers, and I don't know, one of the team they're really looking for, and they wanted John Collins, or they wanted Aaron Gordon. Do you think Jeremy Grant ever kind of evolves into a position? Because he'd be producing better than all of them. Yeah, they probably they probably think he's I don't getting know, more Detroit, expensive. Detroit cheap I would, date. I would say. Um, he'd that's true. I, I don't know. He, I, I think he's definitely fetching you more than Aaron Gordon. Yeah, John Collins is kind of a weird player to monitor. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sold John Collins even a four. Yeah, I still kind of like him five. But... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I do. Yeah. Well, we'll get to an Ob small ball five discussion at another point. Sorry. All right, Phil. What? Yeah. 
Yes. Eventually. One last thing I want to talk about, Phil. Uh, so Embiid, we alluded to earlier. Yeah, Embiid Embiid. out what two to three weeks with that. I assume they're going to be cautious and a knee. Longer, but yeah, yeah. So and you. Yeah, probably. And I think the Sixers will be all right. They'll stay afloat. Maybe they make a move. Maybe they don't. But I think we got to talk oh, one second right. about how that affects the MVP race. You kind of mentioned it to me earlier. Um, it's kind of all but takes him out of the running. Uh, he, he already missed about six games, I believe, in the first half yeah. of the season, which is kind of substantial. And you figured he was going to miss roughly that in the second half, but now he's definitely going to miss more. In a short season, I think it's just going to be hard for him to win with that many missed games, which is unfortunate. But as long as it's good for the playoffs, I think we'll all be happy with that. So long story short, how does that affect the playoff race? Right now, it's 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 wide open. There's going to be a lot of candidates. There's going to be a lot yeah. of uh, animosity around this one, Phil. The, 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 media, the media mafia is going to be out. The Twitter fingers are going to be running. It's, it's going to be a, a, a wide open race. And I think a lot of guys can still make a push for it. Yeah, Where, how are you looking at it? As, at this kind point? of James Harden showed up like he's here now. Jokic for me is at the top still, and Giannis Antetokounmpo could pop in. Right now, he's kind of my tertiary spot. I don't like the LeBron James narrative. Like it's always narrative with him at this point. If they thought he should have had an MVP, if they thought he should have had more MVPs to build his legacy, they should have given it to him when he legitimately deserved it. The 2010 to 2015 range, you know, because they kind of took a time out from giving him so many MVPs just cause, but I think, yeah. Yeah. The one, yeah, the one year yeah. he, probably, he probably could have won it was Derek. Well, I think he's been cheated that, in the, Cle- the Cleveland years too. Maybe that extends into 2016, 17, but even at that point, like. The thing is this, Phil, he never won. He never got the one seed. He did not. And he always had the best team. Sorry. I was thinking so like, it, like for me, if 2018 I'm, when if, he had like absolutely nothing. On the Cleveland team, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, got the four seed, know. and and fair, and, fair and Harden won right. sixty-five games. Anyway, yeah, no, I think Yoke. So, the know. Denver it's Nuggets hard, I mean... continue to be a better, like their seed improve, probably get into the three seed spot or higher. Jokic will be the runaway. Um, if Harden and the Nets just continue to be crazy dominant, and then the Nuggets stagger, then Jokic drops and Harden moves up. If Giannis or the Bucks go on like a 10 to 15 game stretch where he's just dominant and they win like 12 out of 15, I think Giannis becomes the top two or he becomes the guy. Where where are you leaning? Yeah, I think Jokic deserves it so far, but Denver is just an inconsistent team. So it's going to be harder. There's just not a precedent for – players winning it when their team is just like kind of a little bit above 500. It's just tough. So I'm with you though. I think those three probably Harden, I don't think is going to win it. Uh, the, the beginning of the season is just not going to be erased. And I think people yeah, aren't going to vote for him. And I'm okay with that. Honestly, uh, if, if you force your way, if you, you force your way out of the situation games and you and, pretend and, to be chunky boy, I don't know. To, yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with you not winning the MVP. I'm, I'm cool with that. That's fine. So, I think a dark horse, though, that you didn't mention that I believe has ah, I was gonna say Dame is Luka Doncic, who the Dallas Mavericks have, I believe, top three easiest schedule in the second half of the season. Luka is putting up crazy numbers. He's kind of just found his form at this point. The, nobody's really talking about it, but... He's honestly playing better than he ever has. The three-pointers falling at a higher rate. He's as, he's more efficient than he's ever been. And 28 points, nine assists, eight rebounds. I mean, that looks pretty good to me. If the Mavericks somehow end up with a top-four seed, which isn't impossible, the bottom of the West is still pretty clumped. And teams, I think we kind of assume the Spurs are going to drop a little bit. So, and Portland is, I don't know, are they as good as their record is? I'm not sure. If Dallas keeps on climbing... I think there's a strong yeah, chance Luka creeps in the conversation. He's on the precipice. He could get there. I think Dame Lillard would have him capped because, I don't know, maybe it's just a preference thing, but it seems like the Portland Trailblazers would be better throughout the season, and there's that idea that they were better throughout the season as opposed to people might have a kind of a smudge on Luka's game because the, maybe not like the Harden thing, but the first 10 to 15 games, he was just out of shape and he just didn't put it on. You know, he wasn't really trying 
Maybe, but I, I don't think it's the same hard thing. No, yeah, I think there's just, there's just a bias at the um, beginning of the season that might not, not, hinder their odds or their chances. In the, sa- in the same breath as Dame Lillard, you know, another team that if yeah. they climb, it's Golden State Warriors, Stephen Curry. He's got he, – you know, the Embiid, I think Embiid really had right. a strong grip on the front. Because it was just him and Jokic, but and Jokic was only offensively dominant. Embiid was doing it both sides. Yeah, and then and Denver's wins was always gonna be, right. was always gonna come to the conversation. So with that factor out of it, I think it's wide open. LeBron is definitely a factor and he'll be in the conversation. I think he's playing well. I think other players are playing better, but if he turns it on, then he turns it on. And if the Lakers cruise to the one seed somehow, he can, he can then maybe he will deserve it. We'll see. But, but yeah, but between the short season and all this different stuff flying around and AD, yeah, I, it's it's going to be an interesting race. One yeah. of the more interesting races so. of, in recent memory, I think. I can't remember. When was the last, like, really, like, who who knows? Halfway through the season, who knows, like, who the top three are even going to shake out to be? Because realistically, there's – I'd include Doncic. There's there, what, eight there... guys in the running. Was What was there controversy around the Westbrook uh, MVP in your eyes? I, I don't know. I, I think people thought he deserved an MVP, whether it was, like, legit or not, because he was doing something that hadn't been done before. And if they knew that he was going to be doing it for two more seasons and kind of just gouging the Oklahoma City Thunder – Maybe they wouldn't give it to him, but they were like, "Wow, he's doing, he's doing Oscar Robertson number seasons. Like he has to have the MVP. You know, like these are historic things." Yeah, that's fair. Well, we'll we'll keep it up. So, Phil, we got we got Nick some Nets, good games. This is, I'm this very is hometown rivalry. That's next tonight, Phil. Let me just say that. And this will probably be released. I'm going to predict so a Knicks loss, but I want everybody to know. I think they're going to lose. I think they're going to win. Okay. I think they're going to write on Tankathon and I'll go. That's beautiful. Okay. <laughs> Are the Mavs playing tonight? No, stop, stop, stop. The Mavs, they didn't play last. If the Knicks lose night, tonight, so I would and the Mavs lose, tonight. damn, our, our draft spot. Check. Yeah. <laughs> stop it. I have enough with your with your with your evil oh, okay. potion. Yeah, the the Mavs play tonight. The Honestly, I would expect the Mavs to lose as well. Because the Clippers do that. They just, like, lose. And they're like, ah, oh, shit. Like, we got we to gotta light it up. And then it's not even like everybody turns it on. It's just PG and Kawhi are enough to get the team, drag the team to where they need to be. We yeah. I mean, we got we got a nice nightcap Clippers, tonight, yeah. too. Lakers, Clippers. Also, we haven't I mean, talked not, not about Clippers, KP Lakers, during Warriors. the trade deadline. Do you think he's going to be – do you think he's going to be FedExed somewhere? I don't think so. I don't think yet. Nah, Seems like they have problems. <laughs> we yeah. got different kinds of not, problems. Not our, not our problems, though. <laughs> exactly. All right, Phil. I think that'll do that. So, thank you for listening. As always, check us out on Twitter at HoopScoopPod. Catch your content on all platforms. Peace. Watch on YouTube, HoopScoop. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.